Controlling or Stimulating, an analysis of EU financial services policy by Josina Kameling, Head of Regulatory Outreach, EMEA. The past five years have been quite a difficult period in the EU regulatory landscape. The Commission was very divided. It came into being in 2014, end of 2014, and financial services was managed by a UK commissioner who sought to complete the financial services arena by spelling out a capital markets union. The priorities were to diversify and improve access to funding for enterprises, especially SME-sized companies, and to increase the European economy's shock absorption capacity. But to do that, it was also necessary to complete the banking union. And not only that, but to complete and deepen economic and monetary union. This, in an increasingly technological world, in a world where from 2008 to 2014, there was increasing regulatory fatigue, speaking, uh, some said, indeed, of a tsunami of regulation. The industry found this very difficult. The industry looked to Capital Markets Union to stimulate capital markets, to help growth by unlocking long-term investment in companies and infrastructure. But above all, as our investors said throughout Europe, the removal of barriers that stop money from one EU country being invested in another and to really build stronger capital markets to complement banks as a source of financing, where businesses were relying for about 80% still on bank lending, still like overdrafts, like export finance, etc. This was very needed for the EU system to make it more stable and viable. Were investors taking up this opportunity? MIFID was set up to increase transparency into the market. MIFID II was also used to build up investor protection. But still, investors were not coming in. A prospectus regulation was developed to simplify the prospectus. Some prospectuses for investors were above the 2,000 pages. So a summary prospectus was developed. But again, you needed to have read the full prospectus if you wanted full protection through the courts. A regulation for securitization, standardizing it so that banks would use this instrument and reinvest in the economy. Regulations on European venture capital and social entrepreneurship funds. And then above all, a PEP, a PEP which was a personal pension for the EU28 in different chapters, but still a European-wide pension scheme. Then also regulations on strengthening the European supervisory authorities. Again, this was very important because so far there was some activity at the EU level. Most of it, though, was supervisory convergence. And what was necessary for cross-border action was to have an increasing oversight and try to merge the rules the rules being of course directives directives um, for those of you that have heard some of my earlier podcasts which explained the eu uh, system of legislations are rules that are established by the eu but are left to the member state for a way to adapt it to its own legislation regulations are directly applicable But increasingly, the EU itself was moving towards regulations. So there was a prospectus regulation. 
But we were living in a MIFID world of directives where each country was adapting it in its own way. Already in 2015, our charter holders in the EU had raised taxation across jurisdictions and differences in legal frameworks surrounding the ownership and transfer of securities as an issue. There was a call for greater standardization of issuances to facilitate secondary market trading and greater price transparency and to give greater liquidity to corporate debt markets. But again, this was very laudable and was also necessary at the EU level. But EU legislation, the famous PRIPS legislation, worked against that and actually inhibited corporate debt markets. Crowdfunding and peer-to-peer lending platforms, very crucial in the provision of capital to SMEs, specifically peer-to-peer. Again, it took a long time for the Commission to come on board this. I was working in the stakeholder forum advising the Commission. It took us two and a half years to come to the conclusion that the Commission did need to come in on this. There is a crowdfunding directive coming along. It has been agreed, but probably it will not come into application until the next mandate. But it is there. Still, we fight to get information, credit information on unlisted SMEs is still not accessible. And this environment where the private markets, the unlit markets, are growing at a faster pace than the lit markets. Um, Again, this is something the Commission sees and recognises, but is not exactly sure in which way to deal with the mass of regulation and the mass of very laudable proposals, but to try and stimulate the markets. So the PEP. The PEP, I think, was like a Trojan horse. It seemed to be a small measure. It talked about a third pillar private pension scheme, but to be used across all member states. It did not seem to be very important. It would still have national taxation rules. But it was a start of discussion for one product across different markets. Uh, As a memory caller, in 2006, the Commission tried to build a 27 regime for mortgages. This failed because it was, again, a taxation issue. This time, PEP has been authorized and will be a building block to building future cross-border cooperation, to building products for investors that go across the EU, building a truly single market for financial services products. Barriers for SMEs remain Uh, in very large number. Back in 2013, CFA charterholders raised the issue of the lack of liquidity, lack of research coverage, economic uncertainty, different accounting standards and the quality of financial statements. However, MIFID came into being in the beginning of this year. And what happens? We see that research coverage, as our survey on MIFID II, uh, which was taken in December 2018, showed research coverage has fallen for SMEs. And this does have a consequence. It means that investors will less likely look at SMEs. That when the Commission specifically in its growth for the EU programme is trying to stimulate um, interest in, in SMEs. We at CFA, through our members in the European Union, see a strong need for centralization of supervision and of the European financial markets. We did a survey on Central Eastern Europe at the end of June 2018, where those of you in in the Central Eastern European region 
clearly signaled to the fragmentation of capital markets and the low level of liquidity, and clearly also indicated that increasing harmonization of regulation and supervision across the EU was very necessary. There is still very much a low level of investor trust, in spite of MIFID, in spite of revisions on the prospectus, in spite of PRIPs. So, have the measures at the end of this mandate been significant or minor? I would say that in two things they have been very significant. One is the build-up of increasing supervision at the EU level through a revision of the European Supervision Authorities, the ESAs, where, although a little step has been made, significantly there is an increased oversight into what national competent authorities, i.e. the national supervision authorities, are doing. There is also um, no change to the funding of, the, of these authorities. It was proposed at a certain moment to fund these fully by industry, and this, thank, thank heaven, let's say, was counteracted, and they remain funded by uh, the Commission and by the national authorities, which gives them much more independence, which is very necessary in this very complicated EU continental financial market. So we have reached agreement on a review of the powers of the ESAs. There has been an agreement on the prospectus. There has been an agreement on crowdfunding. And there has been an agreement on the PEP. And again, the PEP, as I said before, it is the Trojan horse. It is going to stimulate increasing convergence across markets. Another issue which still, as I talk, where we now end March 2019, uh, that is still being discussed at the EU level, is the investment firm review. The aim with that is to establish a prudential and supervisory framework for investment firms, a CRD4 for the investment management industry. Um, it has been significantly contained, um, uh, but it has uh, taken uh, a firm look at the systemic risk debate, which of course is an ongoing debate that filters through from the FSB and the G20 back into the European debate and that we can expect to be a continuing discussion. In the next podcast, I will be analyzing where we'll be going with the future mandate. But to give you and to end with a quote by Commissioner Dombrovsky. Dombrovsky, of course, is the commissioner for the financial services for the EU. In a recent speech, when he talked about the importance of sustainable finance, which has been riding along in the last two years of this mandate, leading to disclosures, benchmark regulation and to a project for a taxonomy, which is li liable to come into being in the next mandate. He said on sustainable finance, you cannot resist an idea whose time has come, as quoted by Dombrovsky and taken from the French writer Victor Hugo. Thank you very much.